Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. everybody welcome back today we are talking about the 1988 faustian fantasy horror film about a down on his luck la punk band we are watching hellbent this is the second of four films that would be made by writer director richard casey it was made two years after the release of Sid and Nancy, and it appears to borrow very heavily from that story. Yeah. was released direct-to-video in 1990. It is unrated, has no reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and will eat up an hour and 28 minutes of your day. Yeah, it was like kind of a, a forgotten movie until like a couple years back, like Vinegar Syndrome released the... Uh like a DVD or Blu-ray yeah. of it. And then all of a sudden, all the streaming services got it up. And uh, I've heard about it because it sounds like it's like going to be right up my alley, right? Uh, yeah. Punk rock, deal with the devil, this, that, you know, it's like, oh man, they made this movie for Jesse. Uh, I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I picked it, I picked this movie for show because we, we really, we don't lambast enough movies. We, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to talk for you, but yeah, I, I'm too lovey-dovey about these shitty ass movies. Yeah. We, we really gush over some fantastic garbage, but yeah. this garbage is not fantastic. No. So it's like, but it, it's got a lot of cool ideas. It sounds like something I'd be into. It's like it kind of weird. You know? It's got, uh, it's got the Vasquez rocks in it. So, right. Yeah, drink a shot when I see those in a movie. But no, yeah, I hate this fucking movie, man. And it sucks. I was so let down. It's a it's a good concept. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the the Petey Wheat Straw or even that Ralph Macchio turd Crossroads. Yeah, that's my cousin's favorite movie. It's it was my favorite movie for a long time, but then I realized yeah. it's it's yeah. Yeah, this movie is like someone try to make Faust and mix it yeah. element and like try to sound like all cool and dreamy, like Repo Man. Well, like I mean, there's some or... stuff here. There's some stuff here. This was written, directed, and edited by Richard Casey, who had an extremely short career in Hollywood. And I'll get to that because I've got some ideas as to why. He got his start directing music videos, including videos for... Blue Oyster Cult and Aldo Nova. Yeah. He directed the video for Burning for You and the Aldo Nova video for Fantasy. This is the guy who made lasers shoot from the neck of a guitar to blow the lock off of a warehouse door. Yeah, no, nah, this is that guy. And it, see, that's what pisses me off, too. This movie looks beautiful for like a shit ass movie. And they, yeah. had no, they had no filming permits. They're like guerrilla filmmaking this whole movie, right? Right. And it's it looks beautiful. They're using lighting. It's like in the middle of nowhere. Or I say the middle of nowhere. It's the middle of L.A. And there's like no people around. And they, they just got like, of course, it was like in the 80s. You can get away with murder and shit, like constantly and shit. Yeah, they but were like, in downtown L.A., which like downtown Nashville in the 80s was a ghost town on the weekend. Oh, yeah. No, you don't go there. You die. Yeah. So... But the, it looks so great. It looks like almost like a uh, like a French New Wave, like film noir type movie. And, you know, it's got that punk rock feel and stuff. Right. But then, uh, like the characters, you, you understand what they're going for, but they're just bland. You don't really care anything about them. Uh, a lot of I think there's like only one or two people that are in here that are actually been in other movies. Everybody else is just like kind of off the street and shit. Right. Yeah. He really only made three or four movies, and one of them was Horror House on Highway 6. Yeah. Which is a reimagining of Horror House on Highway 5, including an appearance by David Marciano, who plays a character in Horror House on Highway 6, whose name is just one letter off 
from his character in Horror House on Highway 5. This guy only made three movies and never anything else because he can't do anything original. He just copies other people and changes it a little bit. Also, his view of what punk rock was like is... um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he never went to a single punk show. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's kind of like... It's like what the tabloids were telling, like, you know, suburban people what punk rock sure. was like. Yeah. It's like that. It's like, oh, they're going to eat, they're going to eat your baby, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and this stuff. And like, oh, man, nah, you, you see that? The the way that lady wears her hair, she's obviously a whore, you know? So it's like, well, no, she's just, I'm you know, guessing, hair, you know, I'm guessing that back in 1985, he watched the 2020 segment on punk rock that described slam dancing. And that's his entire exposure to punk rock. And yeah, that's that where it came later. through in this movie. The cinematographer Jim Gilly, he worked as a gaffer on three films. He worked on uh, The Student Body, Nashville Girl, and Super Van. And he was assistant camera operator on a Bugs Bunny cartoon. So, yeah, let's hire him to be the boss of all the camera people on this movie. <laughs> I don't know, man. He did a pretty good job. It turned out okay. From a cinematography standpoint, it's not bad. Yeah, nah. It's like probably the best thing about this movie. Yeah. Is the way it looks. I'm so mad. It, it sucks because, like, I mean, you could be looking at, like, something, like, really choreographed. Everything's, like, got composition and shit. Everything looks neat. But if you're, it's just like a neat picture of a pile of shit, there's no redeeming, you know. Yeah. It's like a 4K pile of shit. I mean, I said this movie borrows a whole lot from Sid and Nancy. And, and it really is Sid and Nancy if Sid Vicious looked like Rick Springfield and Nancy Spungen looked like Pat Benatar. Yeah. And both of them suck. I don't know. They had matching skeleton earrings. Yeah, everybody had to, like, I remember, like, those were, like, a big thing around Halloween and shit, like, back yeah. growing up and stuff, and, like, it seems like in this movie, everybody has a pair of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was 1988, I had one. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I remember, like, there was, a, like, a fucking, it was, like, a CD warehouse, but for books, and you, like, you bought, like, Stephen King books for a penny, but you had to buy, like, three or more, and, and like, the thing, and they gave you a free skeleton earring <laughs> just one you don't get to say you just get one no nobody wore two everybody just wore yeah, one no. yeah but yeah I, I remember that like i was like oh man i gotta buy all those Stephen king books again so i can get a earring <laughs> i'm gonna talk my mom and she'll never understand a uh, movie stars phil ward as lemmy he has he appeared in space mutiny doppelganger night of terror and hookers for Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's, this sounds better than it is. It's a movie about a, a cult that pimps out the female members of the cult. Yeah, no, it sounds exactly what it sounds like. Oh, <laughs> is, he, is he a pimp or is he like a preacher in that movie? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Next, we've got Lynn Levand as Angel. She has two films on her IMDb credits. The other, this one, and Kill or Be Killed, which is a revenge action film. And then she just kind of disappeared. And honestly, I mean, this was not what you would call a breakout performance anyway. No, it was a breakup performance. <laughs> Uh, David Marciano, I think the only reason she was in this is because she agreed to appear in her underwear. Yeah. Like these shitty movies, like that's how a lot of, a lot of people got in them. It's like, hey, uh, you're going to get naked. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Do I, I get don't paid? No. Yeah. But it'll, no, like, you get they, to be in the movie. Yeah, you get to be in the movie. That's how like, uh, you know, like uh, all of the chicks are like hot stars now. They got to start in like crappy horror movies. Right. And for Aniston, you know, you go down the list. This is that, that, Renee Zellweger was in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. You know. And and uh, what's her name? The Poop and Yogurt Girl that was in oh, Halloween. Poop and Yogurt Girl. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Jamie Lee Curtis is now. Jamie Lee Poop Curtis. Yeah. I mean, she had famous parents, but how did she get her start? 
in a movie that she had to wear her own clothes because there was no wardrobe budget, you know, and she just had to scream a lot. No, it was an episode of Columbo where she was like a teenager, like at a burger (laughs) joint. (laughs) Okay. I was like, oh, damn, that's fucking, yeah. I wonder what she's doing. She's killing Mike Myers again. Uh, There you go. 40 years later, still killing Mike Myers. She's either really, really good at it or she's really, really bad at it. I don't know. I mean, she took his head off with a baseball bat one time and he came back from that. Yeah. David Marciano is Mr. Tannis. He made a career mostly from cop dramas. He's appeared in Wise Guy, Harlem Nights, Sequest 2032, Diagnosis Murder, Judging Amy, Nash Bridges, JAG, NYPD Blue, all of the CSIs, all of the Law and Orders, and all of the Criminal Minds. But mostly, he's the ball guy that yelled at Kamish on the Kamish. Yes. I remember him just giving like, like, I think it's like after season two or three, he comes on the commission and he's just like a relentless bastard. (laughs) Kind of like in this movie. (laughs) Like he's always got, he's always cool, but he does like just cutthroat shit. Everybody else connected to this movie is so unknown. They don't even have a photo on IMDb. Yeah. And some of them are actually like some of their shits like actually given to other actors. That's how unknown these motherfuckers are. Like, yeah, it kind of looks like that guy. We'll give it to him. Right. So if, if anybody else in this movie has like another movie or something in their credits, it's probably not them. It's just a guy with the same like hairline <laughs> or something. <laughs> movie opens up at the Vasquez Rocks and a classic car is parked there while three guys drink cough syrup and sing Black Betty very poorly. Very poorly. This is my favorite part of the whole movie right here yeah this is like this is like where like i'm like oh man this is gonna be great it's gonna be like you know crazy characters and shit fucking uh ooh, vasquez rock you know i can't and wait a guy drinking a bottle of vix 44d yeah so these guys are laying around drinking vix formula 44d and singing Black Betty when a man walks up and says, gentlemen, let's ride. And then we get our opening credits with a pretty decent punk song by the Angry Samoans. The yeah. soundtrack from this movie includes songs performed by the Angry Samoans, Drowning Pool, Gone, and Trotsky Ice Pick. Not that Drowning Pool, though. Is it? Is it the other Drowning Pool? Yeah, it's not the drowning pool with like the body set the floors guy because they would have been like, I don't know, toddlers when this came out. <laughs> but so they recycled yeah. the name. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, one of the music videos that got directed by this guy, he, it was like the Angry Samoan. So it was like, hey, you guys want to be in a movie? Yeah, pretty much. It seemed like, like this whole movie is just like a patchwork uh, quilt of like fucking favors. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Cut to Angel's very messy apartment, which isn't really messy. They just scattered clothes around. (laughs) Lenny is trying to write a song. We get a gratuitous shot of Angel in her underwear since she just got out of the shower. She's going to help Lemmy write this song that he's stuck on. And of course, she solves the whole thing with a single line that she came up with. It's kind of bizarre. It's a song about, it's a love song about Van Gogh's ear. Yeah. See, that's, that's what I was talking about. Like, this this movie, like, tries to be, like, like, ooh, I'm so cultured, even though I'm, like, dark and moody and punk. Right. But, like, it's just, that you just sound pretentious. It's just like, what about Van Gogh's ear? Like, how does that relate? Do you even know the reference? You know, like, you want to shake the lady. Yeah. It's not her fault. She didn't write the movie. At a club called 666, Lemmy and Angel are performing with their band. The band is called Lemmy and the Mind Parasites. As a crap um, band name. That is a crap band name. If it's a punk band name like that, it's just going to be the Worms. Yeah. Well, see, like, even the Worms sounds good. Like, there's, yeah. there's, good, there's good, stupid band names, and then there's, like, crap band names where they try to be good. And they tried to do, he tried to do the Def Leppard <laughs> thing by spelling it bizarrely. Mind is spelled M-Y-N-D-E, and Parasites... P-A-R-A-C-Y-T-E-S. But yeah, would that fucks up someone like me with dyslexia. Yes. Because that's the way I spell that shit anyway. So I'm like <laughs> it's Lemmy and the Mindy Paracasoles. Yeah. Get you fresh. <laughs> get you fresh avocado. 
<laughs> They're performing a song called Devil Child. So an audience that seems like they might have heard of a punk show but never been to one is just shoving each other. Not really dancing, just every once in a while somebody will shove somebody else. Someone will walk in a frame and then quickly like back up out of frame so that other yep. person can shove someone else. Yes. Outside a shopping mall, there is a Christmas display, including a giant stuffed Santa Claus with a sign that says Santa, in case you weren't sure. Uh, Duke <laughs> and his boys, those are the guys who were drinking cough syrup earlier, are waiting and drinking booze. Uh, their boss rides up on a motorcycle and Spike pot passes him an automatic weapon. It's going to cut back and forth between this and the punk show. And I use punk show very loosely. Yeah. Back at the punk show, the crowd has decided to move on from shoving each other to just staggering around drunkenly. And there's a girl just yeah. flailing through this whole thing, just kind of bent over at the waist and flailing her arms around. I'm pretty sure she's having a fit of some kind. Yeah. This kind of dancing wouldn't become popular until much later when ecstasy and rave came around and glow sticks of course if you're gonna <laughs> dance like that you got to do it with glow sticks at the mall a man on the motor the guy on the motorcycle puts a santa hat and beard on as a middle-aged man exits the mall and joins his wife with their infant son and as the song ends the motorcycle santa drives by opening fire on the man and his wife and the innocent santa display which they both fall into. Everything's over. You see a, a girl with blood on her face screaming into the camera. And then you see some police very casually walk up as, as they're dead, as they're laying there on the ground shot. And one of them picks up the crying baby. The baby wasn't hurt. He's just crying. But the sign that spelled out Santa now spells Satan. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Tannis, of course, is also just an anagram for Satan. Very, very creative. Yeah. There you go. See, like they didn't even put it backwards. They moved the nope. letters around. Ha ha, aren't we aren't we funny? Aren't we clever? It reminds me of uh like Troll 2, you know, where uh -huh. he sees Neil Bog in, in the mirror spells goblin backwards. It's like the, the name of the town he sees in a truck right. movie mirror. Right. It's like that. It's like, oh, God, you just want to slap yourself in the head. Yeah. It's one of those things where somebody makes a joke, looks at the camera and says, you get it? Yeah. <laughs> at the punk show, Lemmy and Angel are uh, singing the a Roots acapella song, Oh, Death, for no apparent reason, because there are no artful acapella breaks in a punk show that I've ever been to. I know, right? It's like this guy wanted to be like New Wave. He goes and he makes a deal with the devil and it makes him actual punk or like hardcore, you know, or whatever. Maybe. Like it's, yeah, it's like he's going to be like a, like a serious musician, you know, and, you know, but he just couldn't make it. So, yeah, it makes a deal with the devil. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to sell out and make shit music. That's cool. The problem is Richard Casey is so on the nose with all of this stuff that it, it's. There are no surprises in this movie. Yeah, no. It's like written out in big block letters every fucking scene in this movie. Yeah. In the restroom, Lemmy is approached by the motorcycle Santa, but he's not dressed as Santa anymore. He's wearing a leisure suit now, and he introduces himself as Mr. Tannis. He offers to represent Lemmy and his band to get their careers going. Uh, Lemmy remembers hearing that this guy managed another band whose singer was killed and his girlfriend decapitated when they wanted out of their contract. Damn. Yeah, uh, Mr. Tannis says he never heard that story. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't want to talk about the deaths because that's still too new. Uh, Lemmy's reluctant to sign, so Tannis says, you know, you can find me at the bar, Sinister. Right on the nose. Uh Tannis explains to his crew that he's taking Lemmy's rejection personally. Duke wants to fuck him up, but Tannis is going to let Lemmy fuck himself up. Next day at Joe Green's visitation, Joe Green is apparently the guy who was gunned down outside the mall. Looks like some of Tannis's crew comes to pay their respects. 
at the Starlight Recording Studio, meanwhile, the band has been locked out of the studio because they owe too much money. And the studio owner is going to erase their demo tapes if they don't pay up. Well, Lemmy's got a solution. He goes to Club Sinister to talk to Tannis. And, of course, the bar is all red because Sinister. Oh, yeah. And there's a surly female bartender who I actually like. And yeah. a slow-mo go-go dancer. And a naked girl tied up in the middle of the room. She's not doing anything. She's just standing there with her wrists bound. I don't know. It's, it's like a live statue or something. Like, yeah. She's got like that, the thing of liberty or whatever, like on her head, like the statue of liberty. Yeah. It's kind of like artfully done or some shit, but yeah, it, it's not, it's kind of comes off tacky in this place. <laughs> it's like the crappiest bar. Yeah. It's a bad bar. And there is a drunk on a bar stool who tries to discourage Lemmy from going through the door that says, keep out. This means you. That's how you know somebody's serious when their keep out sign includes the words, this means you. In graffiti, no less. It's not like they <laughs> like they got keep out as like, uh, you know, like sprayed on there, like with a stencil yeah. and then someone like came up and wrote like fucking white, like this means you. In like Asshole. a tagger script. Yeah. Well, in the basement, which I guess is supposed to represent hell. Some sheets have been hung on the wall, supposed probably to cover up signs that they couldn't take down. Yeah. And the lights are all red. Tannis and Spike are playing chess. Lemmy wants to negotiate some financial support for the band. And when, when Duke and a naked woman emerge from another room, she's upset. But Duke's telling her it was art. So apparently he was trying to make a porn film with her. Tannis presents him with a contract. But Lemmy isn't pretty, isn't very interested in signing this contract at first because, well, it says that in return for funding them and, and, and promoting them and making the band successful, that Tannis would gain ownership of Lemmy's immortal soul. Tannis is, understands, you know, I understand you're reluctant and we'll just do this on a handshake. Uh -huh. Lemmy gets ready to leave, and Tannis asks him to go out the back way. Cut to Mr. Jones and his family at home. Duke and Spike show up to talk to him. Tannis wants to know where his money is. Apparently, Mr. Jones is late paying money that he owes them. He says he'll get the money, but it's kind of tied up in an offshore account. After they leave, he tells his wife that he's been involved in a deal with them, that they've got some sloppy accounting which allows money to just go missing, and he just happened to receive some of that money. It's not embezzling if it's an accident, right? Right. <laughs> it's a judgment, man. He was involved with Joe Green also, and, you know, Joe just got shot, so Sally wants to go to the police, but uh, Jones won't let, him, let her call the police because... Well, Tannis and his crew, they own the police. So what good is that going to do? Yeah. Well, earlier, some of Tannis's guys were at the funeral home, and they were talking to one of Joe Green's other partners, Mel. They've got Mel in a car now, and Spike is poking him with a stick. They want their money. But Jones has the money from their drug deal. The money's all tied up in the Caymans, like I said. And Mel wants to stop. At a at a tailor because he has ripped the ass out of his pants. <laughs> they uh they pull over and they tell Mel to take a hike and he you see him walking away and he's got a rip right up the back of his pants just like he said and and that's when the guys start shooting at him and they eventually kill him after they kill Mel Duke takes a drink of something or, or a big he starts huffing something from a paper bag it looks like. Hard to it's tell a, if he's drinking it or huffing it. No, he's definitely industri it's an industrial solvent. Like, Yeah, he says it's an industrial solvent called sodium pentachloride. Look that one up, you won't find too much. <laughs> so to say, whatever's in that bag he's huffing on makes the world into a cartoon for that guy, and that's why he is totally checked out of reality. Oh, yeah, definitely. Lemmy and Angel are leaving the recording studio. Duke starts singing some dumb song. 
And the recording engineer is pissed, yelling, get that guy away from the microphone. But Duke doesn't care. He's going to keep singing his dumbass song. It's like some drunk, angry uncle just repeating yep. the same chorus over, over. Yes. But he, he doesn't know the lyrics. So he, like your uncle just makes up words. Right. And he'll sing that for the rest of the night because he knows it gets on your nerves. Duke convinces Lemmy to drink some cough syrup. Lemmy says, that stuff's awful. And he says, oh, that's because you got to chase it down with this and hands him a bottle of tequila. (laughs) (laughs) When I did drink, that was a reason I didn't drink tequila. Yeah, I hate tequila, man. Tequila is the only thing that ever made me forget things. Oh, it it makes, yeah, it makes me black out like every time. And apparently I get like, (laughs) so I stay away from tequila. Margaritas don't fuck with it. None of that. Yeah. Spike's got some ideas for Lemmy to to work into his next show. He wants Lemmy to bite the head off a dove because apparently Ozzy Osbourne did it, so why not? Yeah, it's, it's like another thing. Like, all right, his name's Lemmy, right? Yep. Motorhead, of course. Lead singer Motorhead and shit. And then, like, yeah, this other this this guy he brings up the Ozzy pigeon thing. Like, that's how you get famous. It's like they keep on telling him like stupid shit like that, but then. They start making them chug like tequila and cough syrup. Yep. But just like this movie, you know, all their ideas are extremely derivative. Yeah. It's all stuff that's been done before. Badly done before. (laughs) At Club 666, the band is preparing for a show. Angel invites Lemmy to her place after the show. Lemmy wants to go to Tannis's party instead. Angel's not real fond of Tannis, but uh, Lemmy explains all the stuff he's done for him. And it seems like Lemmy has changed. Yeah. There's like a gauge on this movie. It's like, in the first part of the movie, this guy's like fucking, he kind of looks like, I don't know, some like British pop band from like the 90s. Right. You know, or like Weezer or something, you know? Yeah. Kind of like smart college rock or punk, you know? And then the more time he, he hangs out with this Tannis dude and the more time their influence gets on him, he starts looking like, I don't know, like Keith Richards fucked a rat or something. It's just fucking exactly. like, all in his clothes. His hair's all fucked up. He looks, you know, I, I can't tell if he's acting, like by the end of the movie, I can't tell if he's acting or he's like legitimately fucked up on substances, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and this is like what I was saying. This is... um. This is all lifted straight from Sid and Nancy, because if you watch that movie in the beginning, Sid Vicious and Johnny Rotten, they're just a couple of punk rockers who are having fun being outrageous. And then Sid discovers heroin and turns into just a gigantic train wreck. Yeah. And this is exactly what we're seeing happen in this movie with Lemmy. Yeah, he was just a clean-cut punk rocker, and now he's drinking cough syrup. Next thing you know, he'll be injecting marijuanas. And and Yeah, but Sid Nancy had Gary Oldman. We got this fucking guy. (laughs) That's true. On stage, Lemmy is steadily drinking cough syrup and stumbling around. In the crowd, a man headbutts a watermelon for no reason. The watermelon was just minding its own business. (laughs) Production value. (laughs) We need it. And the thing is, apparently they tried this before (laughs) because this watermelon is sliced in half. So a guy is standing there just holding a watermelon for some reason? Yeah. Like and then the he side. turns to position it so the this other guy can headbutt it. And as he does, he kind of bobbles it. <laughs> it starts to come apart. But yeah, headbutt a watermelon because, I mean, that's punk rock, right? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it is now, man. Those things are expensive as fuck. <laughs> uh, two fat guys are bumping bellies. See, that's every punk show I've ever been to. <laughs> And Lemmy has a snake as fights break out in the crowd. Um, there's a really bad shot of Lemmy appearing to cut the head off a snake, mainly because he's moving so slowly. Also, yeah, it's like he's afraid of the snake. Where they show like a camera shot of the snake 
and it's in between a bunch of people. It's just like laying on the ground, and it gets yeah. like this angle that was over his shoulder, and he's yeah, it's like you could tell he's like not bringing the knife all the way down. He's like just bringing it down like past his chest a little bit. But he's he's moving it up. so slowly that even if he did yeah. bring it all the way down, it wouldn't do anything but pet the snake. It looks like they should have filmed that under like a black light or not a black light, but a, like a strobe light. Yeah. But they forgot the strobe light. It's just regular lighting. So yeah, that does look weird as shit. I know what you're talking about. Right there. Whole, yeah. This whole scene is like, cause they're trying to do yeah. that whole thing. Like, you know, uh, where Alice Cooper threw the chicken in the thing. It's like, yeah, I'm going to kill the snake and throw it in the thing. That's what rock yep. and rollers do and shit. Well, the song ends with Lemmy passed out on the stage. Uh, at Tannis's party, Tannis introduces Lemmy to Michelle. He's fine now. Uh, he and Michelle, Lemmy and Michelle start making out while Angel watches. Spike is um, waxing philosophical to Angel. While he offers her drugs and booze as she fumes over Lemmy's infidelity, Lemmy walks over to Angel and tells her that if she wants to, see, if you want to see your mind, you got to be ready to rip your skull open. Then he feeds her a pill and makes out on the floor with Michelle. And now Angel is a fallen angel. Get it? Like, it's, just, oh, <laughs> it's so on the nose. It is. It's like. It makes, I don't know, I'm trying to say this about like being mean and shit. Be mean. All right. It makes like after school specials look like they were directed by David Lynch or some shit. <laughs> they, they look like master class filmmaker. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's just, it, it's the idea and the shit and the, and the plot that they're feeding you. Yeah. It seems like it should be good. It should be like a fucking Leonard Cohen movie. When they brought the whole fucking thing in with that guy, all the money, and he's telling his wife, yo, these guys are bad. You know, he's like, why can't we go to the cops? He's like, because they own the cops, you know. And that seems like an opening of like a Cohen Brothers movie or some shit. This movie could be really gritty, but yeah, it they could be like opted a, not to. Yeah, no, I mean, uh... <clears throat> we got to keep that PG 13 rating. Well, there's boob and it's going to be R, but. I don't know, man. There's like hardcore SA in here. That, true. And uh, they really shouldn't be having any babies on the set of this movie. <laughs> like a fucking helicopter parent or not. You just, I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, hell no. Right. That one guy in the hat, I'm pretty sure he's not allowed schools, you know? He's like, right. Yeah. Sorry. I go on a tangent. Yeah, this, this movie's messed up. It, but it could have been so cool. I don't know what happened. Yeah, it, it could like, have. On the rooftop, Angel is pissed at Lemmy, and she tries to break up with him, but he declares his love, so they have sex in the gravel on the roof. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Nothing says romance like laying in the gravel. I got tar all over my ass from this fucking roof. (laughs) Back in the studio, the engineer is giving Lemmy shit for being too fucked up to sing. I like the engineer. Yeah, he's pretty cool. It's like people that just appear in this movie for like three seconds really sell this movie. Like the guy holding the watermelon. Yes. I want to see that guy. What happened to his movie? (laughs) That guy had it going on. He wants the band to leave because they're distracting him and he needs to concentrate in in order to sing. Angel is completely strung out. So Lemmy kicks the rest of the band out of the studio. Meanwhile, Duke and Spike show up with guns. The engineer objects to them bringing guns into the studio, but Lemmy shoots a hole in the ceiling. So the engineer just quits. <laughs> no, man, where are like you going? En- it's going to sound awesome. It's going to be yeah. great on the fucking track. <laughs> it's like what? that Jackal song with the chainsaw solo. Oh, I fucking love that. <laughs> fucking jackal is crazy man yeah he used to get shot out of a cannon that is crazy yeah I'm, I'm a... Free. yeah that was like that wasn't even like the showstopper that was like the halfway point <laughs> and then he'd get out there and like do a solo on a fucking chainsaw for like three hours yep well back in the car lemmy is too strung out to eat he's got a cheeseburger which he um drops down his front <laughs> we'll warm that up for later. Yeah. 
They drive over to the Joneses' house where they tap into the phone line and call Mr. Jones to let him know that Mel is dead now and they want their money by tomorrow or they will kill him and his family. Just as soon as they... This is good. This is a good shit. Yes. As soon as you get away from that band, it's great. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Well, as soon as they hang up, Jones calls his wife, but the, the guys are listening in on the call. He doesn't know this, but they're listening in. He tells her how to get the money out of his offshore account. So as he's telling her this, the guys cut the phone line. We see Jones packing. He's packing a suitcase. We see him panicking. He's packing a suitcase and he grabs his infant son. Spike stops him as he's about to leave the house, and they take the kid away from him. Then they lead Mr. Jones to the pool to be punished. They make Lemmy watch as Joan, as Duke shoots him out by the pool. Yeah, they, they brought, like, Angel's, like, knocked out in the car, and Lemmy's, like, knocked out of his gourd. And they make them accomplices to this whole fucking thing. Right. This is, this is part of breaking Lemmy down, is to make him an accomplice to murder. Yeah. Sally Jones is speeding home. She gets home and finds her husband dead in the pool and her infant son missing. Meanwhile, the guys are driving back to Club Sinister. Lemmy is puking after watching Jones's murder. And she's kind of making puking sounds and spitting up a bit of that burger that he dropped earlier. <laughs> uh, they explain this is how they got the money for uh, Lemmy's recording session. Uh, Lemmy wants out, but Angel is pissed. So at this point, Lemmy was the bad guy, and Angel wanted to stop him from going down that road. Yeah. Lemmy took Angel down that road with him. Now Angel's a bad girl, and Lemmy wants out. Lemmy lacks conviction, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Angel is uh, irate because Lemmy has puked all over himself and probably pissed himself. And then the two of them pass out on a bare mattress on the floor. Back at the Jones house, the police are doing their investigation. A hilarious coroner, played by Irene Forrest, who was in Bride of Reanimator and Alien Nation Millennium. Oh, love that show, man. Yeah. Alienation is such a great show. See, if you're going to remake something, remake something good like that, because these people in this world need that fucking show today. Yeah. I don't exactly. mean to get, like, preachy and shit, but... We got 87 Star Treks. So we can probably have one more Alien Nation. I know, right? <laughs> Sykes was a shit. Do you remember that one? There was one movie where David Faustino was on it. No way. It was like, yeah, Bud Bundy, and he was a new, he was a newcomer. <laughs> and he had gotten famous, and they had put him on, like, a uh, fucking, oh, man, what's that sitcom where, like, the superintendent, Snyder? Oh, oh yeah, you know uh, One Day at a Time. All right, it's it's like One Day at a Time, but the superintendent's an alien, and it's David Faustino. <laughs> it's like awful. in the movie for, like, maybe three <laughs> minutes, but every time I see that, man, they used to have all those on YouTube, and now I can't find them anywhere. God. Okay. Well, this coroner explains that uh, Jones was killed by a 9mm gun, not the 44 caliber pistol that they found, because that would have made his head explode. True. (laughs) Uh, The detective tells Sally to call him if she hears from the kidnappers. Uh, He's looking for a match to light his cigarette. This was back when everybody could smoke everywhere still. Also, twice about lighting up in somebody else's house. They used to give you matchbooks everywhere. Everywhere. I remember when I was a kid, and I had, like, just pockets full of fucking matchbooks. They had, like, Joe Camel and shit on them. Well, most restaurants would have matchbooks right there by the cash register as you were leaving, right next to the toothpick. Oh, yeah, no, I had a bunch of them from Shoney's. My mom worked at Shoney's when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, eventually he finds a, a book of matches from Club Sinister in his pocket. Remember. Tannis owns the cops. Oh, yeah. Got to Lemmy dreaming while a TV preacher is on. Angel has handcuffed him and is beating him with a cat of nine tails. Not torture style, more like softcore sexy style. Teasing. Yeah. Yeah, we're just teasing. 
She doesn't put any shoulder into that swing. You know, it's all wrist <laughs> just tapping. <laughs> tap, 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 tap. Lemmy wakes up after this little nightmare and he sees Angel still asleep. So he leaves Club Sinister and talks to Spike near a railroad crossing. Spike tries to talk him out of returning to his former job at the insurance company. He was just a clean-cut punk rocker who sold insurance by day. I don't know, man. That sounds like the most crooked-ass motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> how you gonna? How you gonna be a punk rocker and then go and sell life insurance? Like that just. I sold make this sense. guy a thirty-year term policy, and he's only got eight months to live. Yeah. <laughs> and shit, like you know, Rage Against the Machine. They handed that printer that they went out and they made that band. So I guess you know, do what you do. Yeah. Just don't get addicted to cough syrup. <laughs> At the recording studio, the rest of the band is waiting for Lemmy and Angel to show up. They arrive, and Lemmy has an idea for their performance or music video. I'm not really sure, because he's babbling incoherently. And the band is fed up with him. Yeah. This is typically the point where the band fires the performer, um, but I think instead they're going to quit. He just comes in with like a bunch of scratches of paper with like chicken scratch on them. Yeah. It's like his shirt's like completely undone. He's got big black uh, circle rings around his eyes. And, and he's, just he's like speeding thousand, like a motherfucker. Thousand miles a minute. A bunch of buzzwords that sound like all enlightened and shit. But if you stop yep. and put them together, he's just blowing shit out of his ass, man. Yep. Meanwhile, Sally arrives at Club Sinister. She is hatching a plan. She goes in, she heads back home. She went into Club Sinister like she just kind of drove by the front door. And that yeah. was enough for her to make a plan. Reconnaissance. Yeah, this is the place. This is where all the, the bad people hang out. Yeah. I mean, it says it in the door. Inside the club, the spastic, the spastic DJ gets knocked out by Duke. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> reminds me of like, uh, that scene in Animal House, you know, where that guy's like playing the guitar, trying to like woo the yeah. chicks, and then yeah, Bluto just comes up and bash. It's like it's exactly <laughs> what that is, but like the punk version of that is like fuck disco, and he just like breaks a beer bottle with that guy's head and starts wailing on him. Yep. Meanwhile, Sally has got herself dressed up in a black sequin dress, and she drives back to Club Sinister where she parks her car and disconnects the distributor wire. She then goes inside and approaches Duke. She wants Duke to help her with her car. There's something wrong with it, but she's so helpless, and she needs a man to, to assist her. They go out to look at it, and she turns the key. Of course, it won't start because she's disconnected the uh, distributor cable, the distributor wire. Duke says he knows what's wrong with it. It won't stop. So Sally asks him to take her to her hotel where she has traveler's checks and uh, she can get the car fixed. And he offers her a ride to the hotel. Back at the studio, the band is playing something Lemmy didn't write and he hates it. He starts going off. Uh, meanwhile, the engineer is trying to convince him to record the vocals, which he screwed up the last two times. Let me start shooting up the studio so the engineer says, fuck it, I'm out, and storms off. At this point, those, the demon guys, they have amounted so much like guns and ammo, ammo boxes in the studio. It looks like some kind of militia cave or something. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. It started off as like, oh, that's like a nice, like, you know, kind of like basement studio. I wonder how much that costs them. You know, it couldn't be like one of like a couple hundred bucks. And then like, yeah, now then it like then it's AK forty sevens and and Robitussin bottles everywhere. Yeah, ammo boxes. They look like Beirut or something. It's just crazy. It's just guns <laughs> out of nowhere. What do we need all these guns for? Oh, it's, it's for the solos. Oh. It's for the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. We're recording. There's some cameras in here. It's just yeah I know. Yep. Oh okay. It's in my rider. I need that. You know that. Well, Duke takes Sally to a flea bag motel where she leads him to her room. She heads into the bathroom while Duke makes himself comfortable on the bed. Once Sally gets into the bathroom, she realizes she left her purse out in the room, but it's gone when she goes back out to get it. 
She had set it on a chair, but now sitting on the chair is Duke's hat, and Duke has her purse. She reaches for it and uh, grabs the gun out of the purse and, and threatens Duke, who is not intimidated at all. And when she pulls the trigger, she finds out why. Apparently, Duke has unloaded the gun. He then attacks Sally by punching her in the face. He loads the gun and makes a call to Spike. He wants Spike to bring some guys over to rape Sally. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have got a PD-13. Yeah, no. And what's fucked up is like this shit's been done in other movies way more graphically. Like this not that graphic, but some about the way they film this scene and the characters it, like it really disturbs me this whole scene. Yeah. Like I've yeah, seen the this is, this is the most disturbing part of the whole movie. At the same time, it's like the whole it's thing done with the pretty band, tamely it, though. Yeah, it's it's done tamely. I hate to say that you're like a rape scene done tamely. But Something about it just makes me like physically ill, like this whole scene. Yeah. Because like, I think this guy's been toying with her since like back at the bar. Like when she's like, Hey, you know, I know what's wrong with it. It won't start. It's like, I know you fuck with this car lady. So yeah. like, I like, and just like, I don't know. This guy's like, just he has no morals. He's like, just creepy as fuck. He don't give a shit about nothing but getting like fucked up. Like, I don't know, man. Just this whole scene, like, really fucking... But at the same time, it's like, the thing with the band, that whole storyline, it sucks. Like, I've been, like, I've checked out on that a long time ago. Right, Before, exactly. like, the second recording thing. The whole thing with the money laundering and this chick trying to, like, fight these the, This demonic... is the meat of the movie, yeah. Yeah, trying to get her baby back. That's what I wanted to see. And I was like, that's what I was like, like... I don't know. Either stick with one storyline or if you're going to make it a weird movie, turn up the weirdness so it doesn't get too dark dramatic like this. Right. Exactly. It does feel like Blue Velvet in this scene a little bit. Like, I'm like, oh, man, I'm really disturbed by this shit. I hope she gets out all right. Yeah. You know, but yeah, continue. Sorry about that. Well, Spike decides while he waits for the guys to show up uh, to rape Sally that he's going to get some of his own. She's laying on the bed, and he reaches over and pulls her panties off and places them on his head and then begins to masturbate. He kind of gets a little carried away, though, and loses track of what he's doing and puts the gun down. So Sally grabs the gun up and shoots him right in the chest with it. Boom. And Spike is dead. Or Duke is dead. Duke, yeah. Tomato, like the blood packet they use is like tomato shit all up and down that white. All over the wall. And it looks almost the the way that shot is done. It looks like she shot him in the head. Yeah, like and it makes wrong. sense that she would have shot him in the head. Yeah, but then when you see him, it the the blood is right in the center of his chest. Yeah, and he's he's still masturbating. Yes, it's fucking gross. Good 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 riddance to that guy. Like that guy. Spike arrives just as Sally is leaving. They pass each other on the stairs, but he doesn't recognize her. She, she is super nervous. She's pretty sure that she's been caught, uh, but they don't try to stop her, so she just leaves. They head up to the room, and they find Duke dead on the floor, and looks like he was, what did they say, stroking the bishop at the time? In the studio, the band and Lemmy have reached their breaking point. Uh, and the rest of the band has walked out on Lemmy and Angel. Meanwhile, back at Club Sinister, Tannis tells Spike to kill the kid they kidnapped. He no longer cares about the money that Jones owes them. He's done with it. Besides, the kid's crying too much. Satan is conflicted because, like, it just doesn't make sense that all of a sudden he would lose interest in this deal. In the studio, Angel is breaking down and threatening to shoot Lemmy for making fun of her. Angel is just having a complete uh, collapse, emotional collapse. Meanwhile, Sally returns to Club Sinister and enters through the back door. She's there to kill somebody. Uh, she finds Spike, who has her son's stuffed elephant. Meanwhile, another goon enters and tells her that he has taken the kid to the Starlight Studio. He couldn't bring himself to just kill the kid. So he dropped it off with the band. <laughs> also, he wants out since it looks like Tannis is losing it. 
And while Sally's distracted, Spike uh, breaks a bottle over her head. Uh-huh. It's, it is not Sally's night. No, it sucks. Back at the studio, Lemmy is going to straighten things out. So he heads to Club Sinister, where Sally is chained up watching Duke molesting the woman that we saw earlier. Spike brought the corpse of Duke into the room for Sally. Uh, That's when Tannis enters to introduce himself and immediately leave. Yeah, he uh, he comes in and is like, hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm Satan. I kind of orchestrated this whole thing. Uh, This is a tacky movie. I think I'm going to get out of here. And he just bounces. Well, Lemmy arrives at the club to talk to Tannis. Tannis plans to use Sally to make a snuff film. That'll get him money. As he's explaining this, Lemmy manages to grab the gun, but Tannis tries to calm Lemmy down. Lemmy can't kill Tannis, so he just leaves. He finds the corpse of Duke, and Sally sneaks up and shoves him into the room, which causes him to fall unconscious on the mattress, and Sally steals his gun. She then escapes the club and heads to the studio as Tannis and Spike stand in the parking lot and watch. Tannis is planning to use Sally to get to Angel. When Sally arrives at the studio, she finds Angel there with her infant son. Angel starts shooting at Sally because she thinks Sally's trying to kill her. Meanwhile, Lemmy arrives at the studio just in time to see Sally shoot Angel in the back. Lemmy is carrying Angel. Apparently, he's trying to carry her to help. And this is one of the things that I actually liked about this. Carrying an adult is hard because they're fucking heavy. Yeah. And it looks like it in this scene. They're not acting. Yeah. I mean, you you see, you know, the leading man, he picks up the, uh, the, the, the love interest and just carries her effortlessly wherever he wants to carry her and. Um, if you've ever tried to carry somebody and you're not in fantastic shape, it doesn't work that way. Also, if they're dead weight, like it, it, like if if they're you know willing, you know, yeah, you pick up your bride, you're taking her to the you know the door. That's a willing participant. She'll like help with the balance and shit. You know, right. dead weight, they ain't helping. That's like straight up, like oh shit, fuck, we better chop this up, you know, because I'm, I'm I'm I got a bad I got a bad back. I can't do it. <laughs> I mean, she must have really trusted him in this scene, and they had to have got it in one take because it looks like he's gonna drop her at any second. Oh yeah, like that's what I'm well, saying. He's... Like he doesn't look like he's acting like he's on drugs. That guy's probably on drugs at this point in the movie. Yeah, it's so off the rails. This whole damn thing. Well, he stops about halfway across the bridge and puts Angel down because she is dead now. Uh, A cop sees this and makes a U-turn to go after Lemmy, who jumps off the bridge. But it's it's just an overpass and not a very high one because he lands just fine on the road below. (laughs) It's like yeah, like a little walking path or something under there. Yeah, police are looking for Lemmy as he ducks into a theater where he is mistaken for their guest speaker, so he goes with it. Yo, God. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's little points like that in this movie. Like, just like that is brilliant. Like, you you sold your soul to Satan. There's this chick. She's trying to kill you. You don't know why. You're trying to kill her. You don't know why. The devil's after you. Cops probably after you. What am I going to do? Guest speaker. Perfect cover, yes. man. We'll roll with it. He's got blood all over him, and these people are just sitting there like, oh, I wonder what this person's going to say to us now. It's going to be the best group speaker ever. He sees the cops coming after him into the theater, so he decides to demonstrate a leap of faith by jumping (laughs) out the window, and he lands in the back of a pickup truck, which somebody immediately gets into the driver's seat of and drives away. (laughs) They drive him right past a cop car coming the other way. And, of course, they can't see him. He's in the back of the truck laying down. I love how, like, that whole scene started off, too. I'm sorry. He goes in there. He's covered in blood. He's shredded all to hell. And there's a (laughs) sign as soon as he comes in and it says, "Uh, performance art now, question mark. (laughs) The whole movie should have been this zany. And it probably made it. Yeah, definitely. But they saved it for the last five minutes of the movie. Anyway, I'm either super gritty or 
or slapstick one way or the yeah. other you either Pick Mel gear, Brooks man. it or you go completely the opposite way, but you need to go all of the way in one of those directions. Yeah, don't stop in the middle. I don't know. I'm sorry. No, I get, it. I get it. It could have been a cool movie. Truck stops. Lemmy climbs out of the back of it and staggers away. Sally is waiting outside the Tung Chun Soy Sauce and Canned Food Company which is still today located at 1703 Naud Street in Los Angeles, though they have a different sign than the one that appears in this movie. So they still make soy sauce? They still make soy sauce. Far out. In the same location. Uh, I bet it still tastes the same. I bet it does. I bet it tastes like it was made in 1988. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I know my stomach. Well, she shoots Lemmy four times, but that doesn't kill him. Now, ambulance takes Lemmy to the hospital. The EMT isn't sure that's a great idea because Lemmy's practically dead. We should just take him to the morgue. Yeah, say us paperwork. Well, on the way, the ambulance stops and the cop orders the EMT out. It is Tannis and Spike. They're there to get, 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 eh. they are there to get Lemmy to sign away his soul on that contract that Tannis initially offered him. Tannis is going to sweeten up the deal, though. He's going to bring Angel back to life, along with Lemmy, in return for Lemmy's immortal soul. And so Spike just takes Lemmy's hand. He's got a pen, and he's trying to try to hold his hand to sign it, and that doesn't work. So he just dips Lemmy's thumb in his own blood and then press that to the contract. And there we go. That's good enough. Legally binding. Thumb so much for a blood. Yeah. Tannis explains that Lemmy's going to be playing different venues now than what he's used to. Back at Club Sinister, Sally arrives to confront Spike. Uh, Spike blames everything on Tannis. He tries to talk Sally down. And he offers to get rid of the gun so that she can't be implicated in killing Angel. And she gives him the gun, and he immediately tries to shoot her, but the gun's not loaded. Seems she learned something from Duke. She's got another gun, and she kills Spike. When she leaves the club, Tannis is waiting outside for her, so she shoots Tannis, and he falls backward into his car. When she walks up to check on him, he is not dead. He sits up and kisses her, then appears to be her, and yells, I'll see you in hell, Sally. What the? Fuck. Yeah. She finds a cross necklace on the ground and then just, just walks away. In the next scene it's, scene, it's daytime in a park. Lemmy is now a blind folk singer and Angel is his backup singer. <laughs> and as they're singing, we get shots of Sally at home with her son. She's um, a brooding alcoholic now. And as, Lem, as Lemmy and Angel leave the park, Lemmy trips over a trash can before Angel comes to, to lead him away. And, and even then, he still manages to run into a tree. Doggone that, <laughs> Tannis, for, do, for doing this to me. And roll credits. Roll credits. Don't beat yourself up too much over this one. This had some promise. Nobody connected yeah. to this film was going to find it, but it was there. And I hate... Like, I'm always preaching about, like, studio interference and, like, you should let the artist do their art. But a bean counter or somebody should have been down there and is like, hey, what the fuck is all this shit? Exactly. I, I need I mean, a movie. I don't need this, you know. I mean, this is, okay, so maybe, maybe Lloyd Kaufman would have released this movie, but Roger Corman definitely would not have. Yeah, Roger Corman would have, like, put the end of some other movie on the end of this movie and then sold that. <laughs> hey, to cut the bad part off the end of it, just in a whole nother, like, I don't know, a girls in prison movie that's filmed in like the Philippines and somehow that would have sold. Yes. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, oh man. Yeah. That's a movie. That is a movie and that's a podcast. Sorry, people. 
We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at cdfpod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to patreon.com slash cdfpod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.